We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Jack Ramsey's After Dark. Danny Morang here following a Portland Trailblazers loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Where did my window go? Sorry. Um, Thunder appear to have the Blazers number 138-129. What day of the week is it? Friday. It all blends together for me now. Uh, following Friday night's game to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, until the fourth quarter, a great back-and-forth game. Um, got away from the Blazers real quick in the fourth. <laughs> Oh, they got on a 9-0 run to start the fourth, and then they got outscored, I want to say, 31-9. to I don't have my notes in front of me. I literally sat down and started fired this up. Um, and the, the, the Thunder just present a problem, man, uh, for those that haven't seen it out there. Shea Gilders-Alexander finishes with 44 points on 13 of 16, 18 of 19 at the free throw line. He did not score outside the paint. The Thunder had 70 points in the paint. They had 138 points. More than 50% of the points came in the paint. They had 52 bench points. They only had 11 turnovers. They had 28 points off of turnovers. 17 fast break points. Point and just 42 points in the paint. 12 fast break points. 37 bench points. Good bench night. Not as good as the Thunder. Good bench night. 20 turnovers and only 13 points off turnovers. So the team has 20 turnovers. There's two team turnovers in there, 18 uh, from uh, personnel. And the frustrating thing was they weren't, they weren't bad in the first half. They only had six. Like they took really good care of the ball. The only one who had turnovers early on was Jeremy and he lost his footing a couple times. Or early on, um, the Blazers go in at half down 72-68. Just kind of a back-and-forth game, back-and-forth game. And, um, you know, you get out in the, the third quarter, and Portland gets back into it and takes the lead going into the fourth quarter. And they start off the fourth quarter incredibly well. Uh, and then they just collapsed. I mean, cratered. Absolutely cratered. And it wasn't matter if it was Dame. It didn't matter if it was Ant. And I mean, they just what? How many turnovers did they have? They had seven turnovers in the quarter. Seven. D- 
Dame had three, Anthony had two, Nasir had two. Dame was a minus 21, Ant was a minus 17. Like, they just struggled. It was nuts. It was absolutely nuts. Uh, and the Thunder did the complete opposite. Shea was a plus 20. Lou Dort was a plus 21 in seven minutes. Blazers got looks that I liked. Ant had a rough shooting night. Um, I was marking down his shots during the night. I think there was only one shot on the night where I was like, eh, probably shouldn't have taken that one. Otherwise, I, I thought his shot selection was fine. He just couldn't hit a damn thing. Uh, he was 3 of 14. The insane thing is, everybody was, oh, Ant sucked. That's why they lost. Guys, they scored 129 points. The team shot 55-40-94. The offense and Ant, not the problem. The defense was basura. They could not stop anybody. And part of this is, this is what SGA does. This is what SGA does. He, what is he, fifth, sixth in the NBA in scoring right now? Um, and he just scores at the rim. He generates free throws like a madman. They need to dial some of this shit back, I'll be honest. Uh, his grifting has reached James Harden-esque levels just a lot prettier. <laughs> um but, yeah, Portland, they, they were in this game for, for three and a half quarters, and then they, they lost the rope big time. Um, and that's all i got to say about the game in general. Uh, it was nice to see Jeremy Grant bounce back after a couple rough games. Um, Cam Reddish made his debut. He started. Uh, I mentioned something about that the other day, about the idea of him being starting, and I saw some people got very mad about that. I, I was just going off of what I anticipated, folks. That's that's all I was doing. Uh, Cam six eight. They kind of wanted to figure it out, so um, Cam ended up playing just under what eighteen minutes, four seven two of five from three, eleven points, a couple assists, a couple rebounds. Uh, well, first thing, one of the first things Cam said post game was he just not in, like not in game shape. He didn't play for two months. New York literally had him sitting on the bench. Um, beyond that. Uh, I thought Sharp had another good game. That's back-to-back good games off the bench for Sharp. Uh, Nasir Little, obviously with the changes and being shorthanded right now, uh, played 25 minutes a night, which perfect. Get Nas 20, like I said, get Nas 25 plus minutes. Rough night for Trendon. Uh, picked up five fouls in 16 minutes. I thought Jabari Walker had another really good game again. Uh, obviously, everything always looks better when the shots go down, but I thought he he brought a ton of energy ton of energy in his, what, 14 minutes, 5 of 7. Took the three that he should have taken. Probably should have taken another one, but whatever. Uh, Jabari's kind of figuring some things out. That's it, I'm six saying about the game. Okay? The the news of the day um, pertains to Joe Cronin's press conference following the trade deadline. Uh, the media was there to ask all kinds of questions. Um... The big one first out of the gate is the reporting from Sham Strania and Andrew Slater of the Athletic. Let me let me pull up let me pull up the article because I want to make sure I get the wording right because it is a very 
very important wording and one that is a very serious um, implication against the Portland Trailblazers. This is from the article from The Athletic. Peyton, according to sources, had been playing through pain in Portland. Sources added that the Blazers' training staff had been pushing him to gut through it, giving him Toradol shots. This has not been relayed to the Warriors during the negotiation process. It's not anything new. There's nothing new there. Um, Gary has had talked about playing through pain and having to just thug it out. There's nothing new there. The idea of him getting Toradol shots. There have been staff involved on the training staff with the Portland Trailblazers for over 20 years. Now, I have not been on the beat, but I, have, I know people on and around this team that have been here for a very long time. I have never heard of them giving out Toradol shots. This is not the NFL. Nor have I had, nor have I heard of them giving somebody shots and then putting them out on the floor. For this to come out in this manner, there better be some damning evidence because this is the kind of thing that gets somebody fired. This is the kind of thing. This is gross. It's egregious. So, it it better be the most valid, backed up, sourced thing that's out there for them to print this. So, as it pertains to the deal itself, it is not unheard of for a team to waive physical or accept the physical as it stands. The interesting part about this is Gary Payton II is not a player the Golden State Warriors are unfamiliar with. If anybody would know the intimate inner workings of the Golden State Warriors, it would be, or excuse me, of Gary Payton II, it would be the Warriors. Why? Because he was on their team playing through a torn groin last year. The one they had a surgery to repair. The way I'm reading this is super, super, super weird. Super, super, super weird. And for those in the comments right now that are talking about shots, there is cortisone shots and there are Toradol shots. Those are two different things. That stuff matters. I've had cortisone shots, a lot of them. In fact, I had one three weeks ago. So, it's an interesting, interesting place to be. Circling back to the Joe Cronin press conference, the other interesting fact of, or, or interesting part of this, at least for me, is Looking at the situation, it was very clear that the Blazers were just now finding out about this. That two writers, one of them being a Golden State reporter, had this 
before either Portland or the league were notified, definitely makes me go, well, what? that's kind of weird. Why, why would the Warriors pick up a phone and, and call the Blazers if there was an issue with the physical? Why is this going public? That's kind of weird. Hmm. So, that being said, it looked very much like Joe Cronin was just finding out about it when Sean Hyken, uh, Rose Garden Report, subscribe, Sean's the homie, um, asked Joe verbatim about the quote that I just read. And I want to make sure I get Joe's exact words here. Where did it go? Where did it go? Where did it go? Uh, I lost it. I had the quote line here somewhere. There's so much from there. Here it is. Sorry for the delay there. Player safety is super important to us. It's a super important thing around the league. We were playing him. He had been cleared. And we were confident that he was healthy when he was playing. We would not have brought him back if we thought he wasn't healthy or if we thought he was at risk. You trust that we did the right thing, and you trust that our process was correct. In these reports, you know, I think if you knew our clearance process was proper, so I'll just have to rely on that. So, where does this leave it, everything? When it's all said and done, I think the transaction goes through. That's where I think this ends up. The implication of shooting a guy up with something and then forcing him on the court, it's either a really bad look for the the Warriors leaking this or a really bad look for the Blazers doing it. And by, by leaking it, I mean leaking false information. It's... It's pretty nasty, to be blunt. Like, this isn't like a, well, if you see it this way kind of situation. Like, this is a very cut and dry, either one side or another's full of shit. I, I don't think you can have it any other way. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how everything here plays out. One thing is for certain as of right now, excuse me, I got to throw a guy out of the chat real quick. Um, There's... There we go. Uh, sorry about that. I'll try to edit that out for the podcast. Um, what comes out of this is going to be super interesting going forward. So that's what I've got on that. And I know that's the big, nasty, salacious stuff um, that kind of came out of this. So... But beyond that, let's kind of circle back to the rest of the press conference. Um, and what Joe Cronin said, didn't say, and, and kind of try to read the tea leaves 
as things kind of play out there. Excuse me. This is from uh, General Manager Joe Cronin right out of the gate. There are plenty of players who can fit that category. Many are not attainable. Uh, so we tried to work through that and say, okay, who are realistic ones that we can really make aggressive offers for in order to help our team? We worked it super hard, came up empty. And he was talking about difference makers. Uh, he said difference makers can mean a lot of things. Difference makers meant high-end impact players who were incredible fits on our roster. They came up empty, and he said, so from there we said, okay, new pivot path. If we came up empty, let's just be opportunistic. Look for good value either way, whether it meant adding a player or losing a player, and we just transacted accordingly. And this kind of goes into what I was talking about with Brandon yesterday. yesterday yeah, yesterday. In that everything that appeared they did in the long run was try to make transactions that got them loaded up for this summer. And that's kind of how they summed it up. So our main goal throughout those transactions was how do we build for future rosters? You know, future season rosters goes back to some of the stuff we did last trade deadline. Accumulate as many assets as possible uh, in order to make a big push for high-end talent. Uh, and that's, again, kind of what they did with Jeremy Grant. Push it at the deadline. Didn't get it there. Revisit it in the summer. The difference now is that, and Joe was asked about... Um, the protections on the Chicago pick, and this is this is really important. Uh, he was asked about how he the, how he viewed the protections. He says it's positive because you're protected. You can always walk back uh, walk back those protections. And now the positive part of this is, is you can't give up that lottery pick. You can't give up that lottery pick. Okay. You have to work out that deal with that team, but it's nice that that pick can never be worse. Like we're not giving away something that ends up being the number one overall pick. It's lottery protected, so we have that insurance in place. But it does complicate things to where you do have to, if you if you want to trade future picks, you either have to word them really funny where you leave the other team unsure if they're going to get it, the first allowable draft kind of language. Teams get uncertain real quick, and you definitely lose your power at the bottom of those picks, so it definitely complicates putting pick packages together. And he was asked, do you ever test the waters with Chicago about removing that protection? He says, yes. Chicago and I talk, Chicago and I talk pretty much in every tent transaction window where it's, hey, if it becomes necessary, would you be open to this? So we kind of lay a real light foundation to where I'll call you things heat up kind of thing. That is a place where... A place where when you get to the end of this... I could see them, again, again, we kind of mentioned this yesterday, the whole idea of here's a pile of seconds or here's that New York first, what, like whatever it takes to get their own pick back while maintaining whatever other assets to kind of get going. The, the whole idea of reading the tea leaves, there you go. The other part of this is he was asked, you know, if what happened last year is something, and by last year, he can't say tank. Nobody in the NBA is going to say tank because it's a nasty word. But the idea of chasing the tank. And this is his line. I want to see these guys compete. We are trying to build a culture here of playing hard and competing. I think we are seeing it. We see it a lot this year where night in, night out, these guys are getting it all. And I think that's an important first step for us. We have a lot of fine-tuning to do on this roster. There are a lot of things I would uh, want to change as we refine and we get into the super-duper win-now mode, but I want that culture of competitiveness to continue through. Like, go out and do your thing. I think they're very capable. 
and I'm really interested to see what the new group has in store. They went on to say, it's too soon to say, already tanking. I think sometimes those things, guys get injured, you have a bad run, and things change, and you just change. Things change, and you decide you play your young guys. Or you look at certain rotations. As currently constructed, the way things are going, I don't foresee that being paramount on our minds. But knowing that, we will adjust as needed. So basically, if they go on a, a losing streak, you can imagine they will make some shifts. But I don't think it's, they're not planning. This, this isn't strip it down to the studs um, at the deadline. Everybody has plantar fasciitis or a bad, or what was it? Was it the left side? Everybody had a left side injury last year, right? It was left knee, left ankle, left hand, left wrist, left foot. <laughs> it's like, come on, guys. Put a, put a few right side injuries on there. <laughs> but I think the plan is, is look, look, but. With, with the assets they have, I think they feel like they're comfortable that they can get their pick back and go from there. Again, freeing everything up, making a big swing. From just discussions around the league, I would expect five or six big names to bubble up this summer. Not all of them to move but I would expect two or three of them to move and then kind of what shakes out from there. And I think Portland is, is one of probably three or four teams that is positioned incredibly well to take a real swing. Whether or not they get it, that's the interesting part. Somebody's asking about the buyout market. There were so many people in there today. I did not get to ask about the buyout market. It was on my list of things to ask. Uh, one of the things I asked tonight, excuse me, um, was about their size. Excuse me, let me find the quote real quick. <clears throat> uh, the general idea of it was, you know, we, we've heard so much from Chauncey, from from, from him, from Joe, uh, from, hell, even Dame. The idea of being small as a component of this uh, and adding real size and I, by the question I asked was some version of, do you feel like you've done enough or you did as well as you could to add size? And are you okay finishing out the rest, basically the rest of the season with the way the roster sits right now? And that was kind of, I was going to use that if I could get another question, a follow-up question up, was to ask about the buyout market. I did not get to. So, um, and this was Joe Cronin's response. A big thing I've talked about pretty much all season long was we have to have to learn about a lot. We, we have a lot to learn about this roster. We're now, now we are north of 50 games in, and I think we've learned quite a bit. And one of the most profound things we've learned, and I think we assume going into it, but we feel even more validated now, is that Damian and Anthony make you elite offensively. Pretty much any way you cut it, those two are so good that no matter what we're going to, no, no matter what, we are going to thrive offensively. The last month, our offensive rating is through the roof. I think we're starting to settle in. He's not wrong. Their offense has been number one in the NBA for the last month. So going into this trade deadline, even before the, the addition of Jeremy, we are trying to support these guys with real defenders, with real size, with real length. So we've been incrementally building towards that. Which I think there's some truth and validity to that. Now Cam, John or Cam Johnson, <laughs> Freudian slip, uh, Cam Reddish, who is a legit 6'8", for those who had, not, who had not had an opportunity to really see him before, Cam is a big kid. 
Cam is a big kid. Uh, Matisse will be here uh, eventually. I think Kevin Knox got into town late, uh, right before the game. Uh, I don't think he'll factor in the rotation unless you know things shift. But he's six eight, six nine, so technically he's. It's true. Now, how impactful is that size in the starting lineup? Well, it did get a little bit bigger with the op by going towards or going with. Um, Cam Reddish is a starter over Nasir Little. Cam is, in fact, bigger. And it's noticeable on the floor. Uh, the other part of this is somebody just pointed out in the chat. The whole idea of Cam Reddish is also a willing shooter. Two of five from three tonight. The two, I don't think, is as important as much as the five and the willingness. So, um... But Joe, again, I, I, I want to finish the quote here make sure I, I, I get this correct. Uh, I will be the first to acknowledge we are not big enough and we are not long enough. We are not tall enough. He's not trying to fudge it. That was me just saying, okay, this is the thing that they've done. And technically, yes, they are slightly bigger. <clears throat> we are not defensive-minded enough. For those who are wondering, we are not defensive-minded enough. This is not a product of the roster. It's not a product of the roster situation. He's saying... It's a product of the roster not being good enough. He's being very blunt here. This is something that you that will be a continual push from us. You will definitely see me lean toward that side. I think it will take quite a bit for our offense to break. So transactionally, we will really be we will be really focused on adding guys who complement those two guards on the other end of the floor specifically. Interesting, 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 interesting. Um, one note uh, that, that another thing that, that Joe was asked uh, as it pertains to Gary Payton <clears throat> was if if this deal does fall apart, would Gary P Payton be welcome back? Is there a spot for him here? And, and Joe said, oh, yeah, yeah I, yeah. I mean, Gary was great here. We really enjoyed Gary. We really enjoyed Gary. These things happen in the NBA sometimes. Not a lot. You don't see physicals get failed a lot, but these things happen. Guys return. I think our environment and our relationship with Gary is fine, so I'm not too concerned with it, actually. Um, the next question that I asked um, had to do with the salary cap situation. And everything that I went into or everything that I asked pertain to, okay. Cause one, what, what are the things that we've always been told, whether it's Neil and, 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 and Joe talking about this now, you need to have things available to you. So I asked him specifically, Hey, you know, you don't have salary slots that are necessarily matching. And I framed this in the, in the, in the vein of um, what the Phoenix Suns are currently going through. And that is this. They have an incredible top four. An incredible top four. What do they have behind them? Well, it's easier to figure that out when you've got the three other dudes, Book, Aiden, and CP3, and add KD to it, and then try to figure the rest out. So my question was <clears throat> about, do you feel like you have the necessary contracts, the necessary tools? Do you feel like you have the necessary exceptions 
Uh, do things line up to where you feel like you could fill out a roster if you did go all in and empty your, your capital? And he said, yes. Uh, every move that we made pertained to, we had to ask ourselves, what does this allow us in the future? And part of the Gary Payton deal is it gives them a $8 million trade exception. They generated another $7 million trade exception in the Josh Hart deal. And they have all of the, what are they, uh, I, think they have, I think they can control eight second round picks right now. Uh, a first from Chicago, and then um, the ability to get to one of their picks, I think 2029. <clears throat> um, and then if they free up their Chicago pick, all of that draft capital. And then whether or not they trade Ant, they trade Sharp, or um, they trade Nurk as part of salary balance. Like, how do you fill things out once you try to do something? And he's, those are the, 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 the things that he highlighted. Um, and he felt confident in that they would have the ability to not only be a player for a top-flight top player this summer, but have the capacity to put a roster around that as well. Okay. Okay. Uh, overall, I thought... Joe's answers to all the questions, whether it was Gary, whether it was the deadline, um, we're about as honest as you're going to get from a GM in a public setting. <clears throat> That's just kind of how that stuff goes. Uh, I think there was there's certainly more more stuff behind everything. Um, and what I hope to do over the next week or so is to tap into some sources around the league and figure out exactly what deals were close, you know, which ones were talked about to get an idea of what the landscape could be this summer. Um, speaking of this summer, God, I, uh, I asked Jeremy Grant to clarify something that I was, that I had heard, uh, about a week ago, maybe, a, maybe a little bit longer. Um, is that he has indeed moved to Clutch. Everybody freaked out. Um, about that, as soon as I reported it, got reported and he came out for two seconds. Sorry. <clears throat> and everybody wanted me to ask the other thing that's out there about whether or not Jeremy's seeing somebody or not, I'm not going to ask him. I don't care about that stuff. It was good. But those guys' personal life is all them. All them. Um, but the freakout that immediately followed about Jeremy joining Clutch is both predictable and hilarious. Um, but I do not foresee Jeremy Grant leaving this organization without a drastic shift in the, in the tides or the winds, whatever you want to call it. I very much, at this point in time, if I had to pick a side, which side do I fall on? Is Jeremy Grant a trailblazer next year? Is he not? I, I am pushing my money in on Jeremy Grant as a trailblazer. I don't think he's going anywhere. Just, just off the tea leaves. Yusuf Nurkic. Is a clutch client. OG Ananobi is a clutch client. 
Jared Vanderbilt is a clutch client. Do you think that there's you know, anything about that? Just coincidence? Or perhaps maybe there's a good relationship with that agency. Huh? Huh? Just saying. I don't think it's a situation where it's uh, just because he's going to clutch means he's moving to Miami or Los Angeles. It means he's the long and short of it is his his other agency was purchased by Clutch and rolled into it and therefore moved to Clutch. That's it. So, um, everybody wants to ask what what's what what does Grant cost in the long run? I, as of right now, I putting a number on it. If it was a if it was if it was a five year deal, I'd say five one fifty thirty thirty a year. Escalators. I I think I mean I think Jeremy's earned that. Ants at twenty five a year. Grant at twenty. Uh, Grant at thirty. I think that's fair. Six foot nine, prime two way wing. Twenty eight, twenty nine years old, having the best best year of his career. Yeah, shocking. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm not. I'm not too worried about that stuff right now. Beyond that, um, calm down. Oh, yeah, and uh, Cam Reddish, newest trailblazer, also a clutch client. <laughs> like I said, th- I think fine, things are fine there. Fine. I think that covers everything as far as the the big stuff. He was asked to kind of how, how will the moves you made help this summer. Uh, this again from Joe Cronin. Certain things come into play. The obvious one is we have a first and I guess potentially now five seconds. Potentially. Uh, good currency in the marketplace. For those wondering, that those second round picks basically were the things that... Um, greased every deal there are other things we had to do just to just to do just financially the josh hart trade he was about to become a free agent so the thought was let's get something for him and not lose him for nothing we are definitely in position with a better asset pool than we started with for me that's really important and that kind of ties back um to what we were talking about as far as the summer stuff goes and i think that's it So, uh, Joe did talk about kind of each player, Matisse Thibel, Ryan Archidiacono, and, and Kevin Knox. Um, we'll do some deep dives on each player uh, once all the deals are, are fully processed through. Archidiacono did, uh, did dress tonight as well. I saw him out there warming up early on. Um, trying to think. Did I, I, I saw Justice, but I don't think I saw Justice on the floor warming up tonight. Normally, yeah, he's out there. Um yeah, I think that kind of wraps it up. So, um, I've got I've I'll take some questions uh, this weekend. Uh, just kind of everything that kind of helps out uh, for the the mailbag uh, with with Brandon. Other than that, I think that kind of covers everything. Like I said, I've got the surgery coming up here in a couple of weeks. Um, what I plan to do is probably do um, 
some breakdown videos. Probably I'll do two. Probably do one on Cam. Probably do one on Tease. And then uh, I'll drop those uh, while I'm down after the surgery. So, but uh, there there's no media availability for the Blazers tomorrow, and that the Super Bowl is Sunday. I hard for me to see them doing any media availability for practice or even having a practice then. Uh, and we'll kind of go from there. But, um, yeah, that's all I got for now. So, uh, everybody have a wonderful little night. It is now midnight. I am tired. Um, take care. Bomber of a game tonight. Um, happens. See what happens when the up. What do we got? Two, three more games before the trade deadline or projected line. The All Star break, and then see what happens in the week or two post All Star break. That'll kind of tell you which way this thing's going to go real quick, and then we'll adjust from there. So, uh, thank you all so so very much. I appreciate you. I love you. Um, like, rate, review, subscribe. Do all the things. Give it a little thumbs up. Uh, help us beat the YouTube ag- algorithm. If you're watching live or you're watching on the replay, uh, please uh, subscribe. It's free. It's easy. And then when they get back, on, uh, when I have the surgery again, all of the games that I am no longer attending will be a part of the watch party. So, and I'm going to open those up for everybody. Um, just as a, a cool thing to, because mostly I'll be lonely. <laughs> I'll be stuck at home, just we, me and my wife. Um, take care. Talk soon. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Uh, and enjoy the Super Bowl. Mm, bye.